What I want to do today is connect the dots of what's happening in the world today to specific prophecies in the Bible. I spent a considerable amount of time creating and narrowing down a list to three such prophecies, all of which intersect one with the other, and in so doing, point to the truth that we are at the end now. If you hear nothing else that I say today, please hear this. What I'm going to share with you today is not something that's yet future, sometime in the not too distant future, as we say, down the road, not yet. No, it's yet. It's now. It's not, oh, maybe a few years. No, it's now. It's now. Did I say it's now? Yes. It's now. Okay. It's happening now. And <laughs> the urgency, and, and I, let me just say this. It's not in my notes. I've got to be careful whenever I leave my notes and go where angels fear to tread. But I have, and this is not hyperbole, literally, and the Lord knows my heart when I say this. I have never had the urgency that I have today concerning the world that we're living in and the nearness of the rapture of the church. I, I've been walking with the Lord for over 40 years. I was five, so I'm not that old. but. 40 years. And I've never had such a sense of urgency as I do today. And really this is ingrained in the purpose of these updates, which has been and is still and will always be twofold, such that my Hope and prayer is to equip and encourage the saved, and to also reach and win the lost. That's the whole purpose of these updates. Well, before we get started, I quickly mentioned that we did an update back on October 25th, 2020. Wow, almost uh, uh, two years to the month, I guess, right? And uh, we provided a link to it. It's titled Top 10 Bible Prophecies. And the reason I mention it today and refer you to it today is because those 10 are really painting the prophetic canvas with the broad brush. What we're going to do today is uh, paint in the details, fine details, with the three that we're going to have. But these three specific prophecies that we're going to look at today and connect the dots with today are in addition to and in concert with these top 10 prophecies, all of which are in play today. Now I'll begin with this at a glance look at what I'll refer to as the big three, if you will. Then we'll go in depth into each one of them. For those of you online or those of you here that go online, you can just do a 
screenshot and you'll have this list of prophecy dots to connect. Uh, may I uh, trouble you to turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. This is the first prophetic dot that we need to connect. And it's that of the current geopolitical transitioning leading to 10 kings vis-a-vis transhumanism. I know that's uh, quite a bit packed into one sentence but we'll do our best by the help of the Holy Spirit to unpack it. Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 41, you can follow along as I read. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. Now what Daniel is being told here is what the image that he sees represents. The kingdoms over a period of time ending with this last kingdom, the ten toes as it's referred to in Daniel, and it comports with the ten horns in the book of Revelation. We'll get to that in a moment. So this final kingdom, the feet, the ten toes, Daniel now is being told what it represents, this final kingdom. So verse 42, and as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, and I want you to pay particular attention to what it says right here. They will mingle with the seed of men, the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And verse 44, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch, verse 45, as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. Oh, I can't wait. The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. Now, this last part of verse 45. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. All right. God said it. That settles it. It's going to happen. You can be certain of it. It will absolutely happen exactly this way. 
The stone, by the way, spoiler alert, Jesus, the rock of our salvation, is going to come and crash down that final kingdom and destroy it to smithereens. I like that word smithereens. It's one of those words that sounds like what it is, smithereens. And He'll establish His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. All right. Now, this Daniel 2 prophecy is actually one of four prophecies in Scripture as it relates to this final kingdom. We find that again in Daniel 7, which, interesting, specifies this as the fourth beast and fourth kingdom on earth. And I want you to hang on to that. We're going to come back to that. The fourth. And this fourth and final kingdom is different from all the other kingdoms. And this fourth and final kingdom that Daniel's describing and prophesying, we're told that it shall devour the whole earth. Not a local region, not a particular nation. No, this final kingdom will be global and will devour the whole earth. Okay, hang on to that. Like the ten toes of Daniel, it's the ten horns of Revelation chapter 13, and with it Revelation 7 and Revelation 17, all of which describe this final kingdom geopolitically ruled by specifically ten kings, presumably ruling over ten regions or sectors on earth, all of whom are under the rule of the Antichrist. Now, let's connect what's happening now geopolitically to these aforementioned prophecies. This connects with what's happening now concerning current elections and the ensuing results. Stay with me, please. Namely, that of both the current elections in the U.S. coming up and the recent election in Israel concerning Benjamin Netanyahu, which connects in that it seems to be setting the stage for this final kingdom. Let me explain. These 10 world leaders slash kings over 10 regions are now, now being selected and situated in order to hit the ground running, as it were. And as such, it serves as a clear indication that the Antichrist is about to be revealed, which means that the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ, which must happen first, happens first. I know that's deeply profound. Here's the point. If we're seeing things that will find their ultimate fulfillment in and during the seven-year tribulation, 
And we know the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture, meaning that the rapture will happen prior to the seven-year tribulation. But we're already seeing the world decorated for the seven-year tribulation, and the rapture happens before the seven-year tribulation. Then pray tell, how close are we? That's the urgency. We're so close. Pictured here is a screenshot of a 31-page downloadable PDF file titled Major Global Modeling Studies. And we've provided a link to this as well as all the other references. On page 12, you'll find a map titled Regionalization of the World Integrated Model. And it divides the world into exactly 10 kingdoms precisely as Bible prophecy tells us. Go figure. If this weren't bad enough, there is documentation supporting evidence that this originated from the Club of Rome as far back as 1973. You can do your own research on this. They've already divided the world into 10 regions. So now that we've got the 10 regions and presumably have had them since the 70s, well, we need now the kings to rule over these 10 kingdoms. Oh, right on time, right on schedule. Okay, pastor, with all due respect, I always know it's coming when it starts off like that. Um, how do you get to transhumanism? And how do you connect transhumanism to this prophecy? Answer, one need look no further than Daniel 2 verse 43, which we just read, and how it is that the iron does not mix with clay. What's the iron? Machine. What's the clay? Man. By the way, let me parenthetically say, all of these predictive programming movies, Transformers, transhumanism. Um, I'm going to ruin somebody's afternoon, but it's a gift. <laughs> I, I've never been into these movies, but Marvel, Iron Man, so satanic. Did you know that it's believed to be the number one grossing film franchise of all time. And all of the ones in the top 10 combined don't total the amount of this one Marvel Iron Man franchise. Uh, I think the latest one, it's all Gnosticism. Creator God is killed by the Savior, which is actually Lucifer. And it's so ironic because it, it patterns and uses the template by their own admission, by the way, they being the producers and writers. It patterns and uses the template of Revelation chapter 9, which we're going to talk about shortly. And half the population of earth approximately is killed. It's all scripted. The only difference is, is that the Creator God is bad, 
And the other God, the Gnostic God, is Lucifer. He's the one that came down to free Adam and Eve from this cruel Jehovah God who wanted to keep them captive in, I'm going to use this word and it's going to really ruin your day in Jesus' name, the matrix. You'll notice conspicuously absent from my updates is the use of that word because it's Gnosticism. See, Jehovah God, and by the way, I also stay away from words like awake, because that's what uh, the matrix is all about. Remember that uh, movie with uh, Jim Carrey, demon possessed, by the way, there's no question about that. And please don't email me. The Truman Show, Gnosticism. He has to break out of this enslaved matrix. And the architect, that's God. Bad, bad God. And man has to save themselves. Ask Keanu Reeves. Ask um, Robert Downey Jr. They've gone on record. Ah, this is maybe another update for another time. But this is transhumanism. It is the merging of man with machine. And by the way, this is verbatim the stated goal of the fourth industrial revolution, AKA the Great Reset. While we've covered this in previous updates over the last two years, I'll quickly reference a couple of sources, which again, we provided links to. We'll start with this one from back in May of 2019. 2019. I want you to kind of get that timeline in your mind. Klaus Schwab explained what the fourth industrial revolution is in a video posted by the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. And here's what he said, and I quote, what the fourth industrial revolution will lead to is a fusion of our physical, our digital, and our biological identities. This word fusion. Can you hang on to that one too? Fusion. In other words, it will lead to transhumanism. Here's a quote from the World Economic Forum's website titled, What is transhumanism and how does it affect you? The central premise, I'm quoting, of transhumanism then is that biological evolution will eventually be overtaken by advances in genetic, wearable, and implantable technologies that artificially, artificial intelligence, which is really satanic intelligence, artificially expedite the evolutionary process. Schwab in his book, Shaping the Future of the Fourth Industrial Revolution says, fourth industrial revolution technologies will not stop at becoming part of the physical world around us. They will become part of us. Today's external devices from wearable computers to virtual 
reality headsets will almost certainly become implantable in our bodies and brains. We will become better able to manipulate our own genes and those of our children. These developments raise profound questions. Where do we draw the line between human and machine? What does it mean to be human? Well, ask Daniel. He just told us. Enter World Economic Forum's Yuval Noah Harari, an Israeli, and a video from one year prior, back in 2018. Again, get your mind around this timeline. The title was, Will the Future Be Human? Quoting, Why is data so important? It's important because we've reached the point, this is 2018, when we can hack not just computers, we can hack human beings and other organisms, 2018. Science is replacing evolution by intelligent design, not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design. And the intelligent design of our clouds, the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud. These are the new driving forces of evolution. Unlike machinery, data is everywhere and nowhere at the same time. It can move at the speed of light. And you can create, listen to this, as many copies of it as you want, mRNA. And so does the data about my DNA, my brain, my body, and my life. This is the same Yuval Harari who in an interview said, and I quote, we are really upgrading humans into gods. Does that sound familiar? Same old lie, just new wrapping paper on it, repackaged. It's the same lie in the garden. And make no mistake about it, the likes of a Yuval Harari, who I believe, I hope I'm wrong, because if I'm wrong, he can still come to Jesus. But if he's not fully human, and I don't think he is, he cannot. Because Jesus came as a man, fully God, fully man, to redeem man, not machine. As he say, knows this. So if he can alter the human DNA, then he makes and renders man unredeemable, as it was in the days of Noah. So too will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, Genesis 6. Noah, we're told, was found to be intact in his genetics. That's how that verse reads in the original. Well, let me quote this, and I should warn you, it's going to really be hard to hear. We are really upgrading humans into gods. We are requiring, for instance, the power to re-engineer life. All this story about Jesus rising from the dead, 
and being the Son of God? This is fake news, you know. Uh, one, one more thing real quick, since it kind of fits, and going back to uh, these uh, movies, uh, and particularly um, Iron Man. Isn't it interesting that they always denigrate and depict Jesus in a blasphemous way? I have yet to see any one of these major film productions ever do that with Buddha or Muhammad. Why are they, why are they perverting the book of Revelation? Why are they demeaning Jesus Christ? Because He's God. Well, we have a problem then if you're Yuval Harari, because I'm God. So one of us has got to go. Well, we know who that's going to be in the end. I feel sorry for these people, honestly. Again, if they're still human, man, they need Jesus. And Jesus loves them and died for them. One more thing on transhumanism as it relates to artificial intelligence. On Thursday, a sister here in the church handed me this flyer from Kulia Academy, which is a local charter school here on the island. Before I read some of what this flyer says, I want to draw your attention to the bottom left uh, corner of this flyer and what appears to be an image of a, an AI robot and or a transhuman. Now, here's what the flyer says. A new tuition-free charter middle school in Kalihi, Kulia Academy. Strong math, science instruction, and data science, and artificial intelligence classes. It goes on to say, artificial intelligence engineers make $171,000 per year. Get ready for the careers of the future. Fourth and fifth graders, let me do that again. Fourth and fifth graders apply at, and then it has the email address. So yesterday I searched for and found their website, which states, quote, first in Hawaii and in the U.S a school concentrating on data science and artificial intelligence. Six years of data science and artificial intelligence curriculum from MIT and UCLA for grades 6 through 12. Okay, how you doing so far? You okay? This brings us to the second prophetic dot to connect, which is that of the current supply chain shortages and subsequent food restrictions leading to hyperinflation and causing famine. I want to draw your attention to 1 Timothy chapter 4, a 
verse we talk about often, but I want to have you kind of maybe revisit it as I did through a different lens. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy and says, the Spirit expressly or explicitly clearly says that in the later times, the last days, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them, this is a, an order, to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving, like those turkeys and those cows. And anyway, I'm getting hungry. By those who believe and who know the truth. But what Paul is saying here is that there's coming a day in the last days when they're going to restrict the kind of food, certain foods that you'll be allowed to eat. The foods that God created for us to eat, like meat. I just say again, meat, just prime rib and anyway, steak, barbecue. Whew. Revelation chapter 6. Let's keep moving. Beginning in verse 5. When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a day's wages? and three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth, to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. Now, why do I choose these particular passages and prophecies? Because they, along with others, comport with what Bible prophecy tells us will happen at the time of the end, ultimately finding their fulfillment in and during the seven-year tribulation. But they're already happening now. And the tribulation has not started. But it's already starting to happen now. Now, this is a fourth of the earth's population. By the time you get to Revelation 9, it's believed to be about half of the earth's, earth's population. Why do I point that out, because if you think about it, and we're as close as it would seem we are, and I truly believe with all my heart that we are, then the current population, let's call it 8 billion, with a B, on planet Earth, in a matter of maybe years, are going to die. They're alive now, but in the tribulation, 
they're going to be killed. Half the world's population. They're alive now, as is the Antichrist alive now. Now, here we're told that a fourth of the earth's population is going to die in large measure due to food restrictions and shortages with the ensuing famines and plagues. In fact, the specificity of the prophecy in Revelation 6 during the seven year tribulation, because chapters 6 through 19 of the book of Revelation are all about the seven year tribulation. And by the way, again, let me parenthetically say that the word church is not found one time in chapters 6 through 19 in the book of Revelation dealing with the seven year tribulation, because the church is not in the seven year tribulation. And the word church is found 19 times in chapters 1, 2, and 3. 19 times. The word church not one time in chapters 6 through 19. So the specificity of the prophecy in Revelation 6 concerning it taking an entire day's wages, not just to buy the wheat to make bread, but barley, which you would feed to animals, it will take an entire day wages. So think about what you make in a day. That's what it will take. It's all about supply demand. When the supply is high and the demand is low, the prices are low. When the supply is low and the demand is high, prices are high. That's what's happening. They've, they've, I'm getting ahead of myself. They've restricted the supply chain deliberately. And that's why we have shortages. And again, right on time, right on schedule, perfect. Are we surprised that we already begin to see now, 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 the famines that are prophesied in the tribulation the food shortages that are going to be <laughs> in the seven year tribulation, it's happening now. Now. Perfect timing. There's already famines and starvation. Did you know that? And plagues. I should note that the Greek word for pale, the pale horse, is chloros. It's where we get our English word for chlorine or chlorophyll. It's a chemical. Add to this the Greek word for beasts, which is therion. And it carries with it the idea of something extremely deadly of any size, whether large or microscopic. And if you think about it, that would be a better fit with the English word plague. And here's the thing, and please listen, all of this comes under the banner of deception. They're deceived, doctrines of demons. It's all deception. As one aptly noted, the four horsemen of the apocalypse come by way of deception, starting with the white horse appearing to bring peace instead of chaos, deception. Then the red horse appearing to bring patriotism instead of war, deception. 
and the black horse appearing to bring luxury instead of famine, deception. And last, but certainly not least, the pale horse appearing to bring health and life instead of sickness and death, deception. As for connecting the prophetic dots to what's happening today, the evidence of this now beginning to come to pass is ubiquitous. Doubtless you've seen, I've seen it, both the restricting and destroying of the global food supply, which has resulted in empty shelves on the stores, in the stores, never to be restocked again, by the way. And it has and is becoming the catalyst for this prophecy. And by catalyst, I mean that they are deliberately destroying the natural that God created in order to usher in the synthetic, synthetic meat, and even bugs and critics. Critics. <laughs> crickets. I meant crickets, not critics. I got some of those too. I get a, never mind. All right. <laughs> Tell what my week's been like, right? I want to share with you an email that we received from Scott Bowser, who writes, I was listening to your prophecy update regarding food shortages. I'm part of a farming family in Tulare County, the center of the San Joaquin Valley in California. Over the years, they continue to demonize farmers. We grow all nuts, pistachios, walnuts, pecans, and almonds. Approximately 80%, get this, 80% of the world's almonds come from our valley. With the price of fuel, fertilizer, and water, it's getting harder to make a profit. They refuse to build more water storage while they continue to spend billions on a train that will never be completed, forcing us to, it sounds like a rail. Yeah. 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 It's all the money. Oh, I should have not gone there. We feel your pain, brother. <laughs> so this train will never be completed, forcing us to rely on groundwater. Currently about 60% of available water is allowed to go into the ocean. How about that? Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Now, in about seven years, this is the email, seven years, they plan on cutting all water to farmers in the valley. This valley provides a large percentage of the world's food supply. I know we will most likely be gone by then, but for those left behind, the starvation will be the likes of which mankind has never experienced. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in bringing to the world God's Word, Scott Bowser. Well, if you'll kindly allow me to, we'll now connect the third prophetic dot for the remainder of our time together. But in order to do that, we'll go ahead at this time and end the YouTube and Facebook live stream. The third, you, you okay still? We're almost done. We're on the last one. So 
It gets worse, I'm just telling you right now. This third prophetic dot to connect is that of a biodigital ID technology vis-a-vis a pharmaceutical verification system in order to buy or sell. Again, I know that's kind of a lot to pack in, but let's start with Revelation 13. I'll quickly read it. You're familiar with it. We're told, verse 16, He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast, or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate calculate the number of the beast, for it is a man's number. His number is 666. Revelation 18, 23, speaking of Babylon and the fall. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore, and the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. And here's why. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were, there's that word again, deceived. Revelation 9. Now this is after a fourth of the population has been killed. And they still don't repent. Verse 21, Revelation 9. And they did not repent of their murders, or their sorceries, or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Revelation 16, 1 and 2. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go, pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshiped its image. Okay, again, why these specific passages and prophecies? Because we're given the details of what this mark is going to be. And we need those details in order to connect this prophetic dot to what's taking place in the world today, which can, in a word, be said, COVID. COVID. In the interest of time, and because we've devoted a voluminous number of updates to this, I'll provide a brief summary of sorts. But I have to preface it this way. Again, we're going to go back into the original language of the Greek New Testament. The word sorcery is Greek pharmakia, from where we get our English word pharmacy, pharmaceutical. So now there's one detail. Let's put that in place. So we know that there's going to be this mass global deception having to do with a pharmaceutical. Okay, we good? All right. You're supposed to say yes, but that's all right. Thank you. 
Now, why is this so important? Because, actually twofold. First, it specifies that the mark is a, for lack of a better way of saying it, big pharma solution, or to quote one Bill Gates, the final solution, when this ultimately becomes the mark in order to buy or sell. The second reason is that the specificity of these prophecies tells us that this is a global deception with consequences both now, speaking of the tribulation, and more importantly for all of eternity. First, in the seven-year tribulation. This is a medical reaction. The ugly, festering sores. That's in the tribulation when the bowl, the judgment is poured out, the wrath of God on all of those who took the mark. So it has to be a physical mark and even a medical biomedical mark. And that's just in the tribulation, but Revelation 14 verses 9 through 11 tell us that those taking the mark will be damned for all eternity. I already referred to it. It will change the human DNA, making man no longer redeemable they're damned and doomed for all eternity, once they take the mark. Now, to the question of the current COVID injection being the mark, the answer is an emphatic no. And I want you to think through this with me. First of all, there's no Antichrist on the scene yet, and there cannot be an Antichrist on the scene yet until the church is first removed in the rapture. And secondly, this current ejection in ejection. <laughs> so critics and ejection. Okay. Um, the current injection is just a forerunner, a prelude, if you prefer, an introduction to what will soon become the mark when it's fused, I'm going to use that word, fused with the technology that's already in place now. It cannot be the mark now, because I know many people personally who have been injected. And by the grace of God, God has protected them physically, medically. That's the grace of God, by the way. And so, yes, praise the Lord. Conversely and sadly, I also happen to know a number of people who were injected and died suddenly because of it. So to the question of this current e injection not being the mark, you if you're born again, you cannot be unborn again. If you're saved and you take this injection, oh, you'll forgive me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. My son uh, sat me down and had a talk with me about this, but whatever. 
the injection will not mean you're not saved and go to heaven. The injection might mean you'll just get there much sooner. There I said it. So, and actually that's been the case. But it's still God's grace. So we're saved by grace, right? So again, let's just, if you'll bear with me, I, I, I really need to clarify this because we still get, in fact, we even get emails asking, did I hear that Pastor J.D. took the injection? No, I would never do that. Are you kidding me? I don't know where you got that. Anyway, I just, let me try to get back to the prophecy update already in progress. So let's just say hypothetically for purpose of illustration that there's something we could do or not do that would cost us our salvation then it would stand to reason that we could lose our salvation. And if we could lose our salvation, then it would stand to reason that there must be something we can do to either keep it or get it back. That's works. I got to earn it back. I, I, I'm saved, but Jesus said, it is finished, comma. It is finished, however. It is finished, if. It is finished, but. No, it is finished. You're a new creation in Christ. And Romans 8, perhaps one of the best and most encouraging chapters in all of the Bible, along with all of the other chapters in all of the Bible, Nothing, no one can separate you from the love that God has for you. Yes, praise the Lord, neither height nor depth, nor angel or demon for that matter, or darkness or any created thing, no thing, no one can take you from Jesus. If you're saved, you're saved. Oh, pastor, preacher, you're talking about once saved, always saved. Yes. Because again, think about it. I don't want to get too animated here. Plus we don't have time to look at your watches. We're almost done. Again, think about this, please think through this with me. Um, if you say to me that there's something I can do or not do that would cause me to lose my salvation, then do you not take salvation out of the arena of grace through faith and put it right smack in the middle of the arena of works? And by the way, while you're at it, you might as well rip out of your Bible, among many other passages, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Because Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says you are saved by grace through faith, not of works. It is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. Well, it's not the mark. If you've been injected, hey, pray. <laughs> we'll pray for you. Pray God's grace on you and mercy to you and just a healing 
from what's in this thing. But you've not taken the mark. We're not in the tribulation. And contrary to many who are suggesting that we are. Well, that's interesting. Um, no, I don't want to go there. For those that are interested, we've provided a link to the February 27th, 2022 update titled The Bottom Line. In it, we go into detail about the mark. Um, we also did it in uh, January of uh, 2021, uh, two parts, decision time and decision time two. Uh, we went into great detail about the specifics of what this mark is and why it is that it will become yet future in the seven year tribulation when it's fused with the technology in place today, what the Bible describes as the mark, which by the way, can be interpreted as a stamp, tattoo, stake, or palisade. Palisades were these stakes. And I want to just share with you some excerpts from this aforementioned update. We looked at several screenshots from a Georgia Tech video showing the technology known as quantum dot microneedle patches to deliver a vaccination. We'll start with this one pictured here as a Band-Aid looking patch containing microneedles slash palisades. Here's a close up of the other side of the Band-Aid. It's a patch, very small, with these little snake fangs, if I can say it like that. Here's another view of the side. And it goes on and in the skin. And please, can we just not argue about the different translations? It's on. No, it's in. How about both? Here's a screenshot of a woman as she places it on her forehand. What's interesting about this video is that it's from 2017. I've just quoted you from 2019, 2018, and now 2017. How did they know? Because they planned it. Well, anyway, it has this emphasis on convenience. And it was in the context of, at that time, 2017, because we had not been introduced to this satanic thing called COVID yet. And the injection, I don't say vaccine because it's not. But this was in the context of flu vaccines, which by the way, um, how do I say this? I'll just say it. <laughs> Novel idea. I would not let anyone put anything into my body with a needle ever again, ever again. Oh no, I took, I just got my flu shot. Am I still saved? Yes, you're still saved. We'll pray for you. Okay. So 
basically this has already been in place as early as 2017, actually before even. And it's actually already on the market. I don't know if you knew this or not. But the point of this and the point of sharing this is because it is exactly what we're told they will have in place in Revelation 13. And it's already in place now. Now. It's been in place for no less than five years, since 2017. Five years. Already been in place. They have a testimonial at the end of the video. She just touts how that it's so inconvenient to stand in line and get your flu vaccination. And man, this would be great. I, I caught this. I just want to quote this one part of the testimonial. She says, um, but if it was something I could just pop on at home while I'm watching TV. Oh, there you go. Actually, I would say that you're uh, getting that from the store and bringing it home and doing that to yourself because you watch TV. Let me try a different way to say the same thing. Uh, let me try it this way. You know why some of these uh, communities like the Amish and uh, so forth, you know why they never got sick? They don't have any TVs. Oh, and by the way, they don't wear masks either. Why? Because they don't have, yeah, they don't have TVs. I figure, you know, why not? I got nothing to lose at this point. <laughs> if you hate my guts, you hated my guts a long time ago. So, well, this brings us full circle to how we began as it relates to the purpose of the updates being that of equipping and encouraging the saved and reaching and winning the lost. The bottom line is that these prophecy updates are intended to get Jesus to people and people to Jesus while we still have time. Now when I say while we still have time, I mean that everything, I'm going to say it again, everything I've shared with you today is happening now. Now. Now's the time. Now's the time. We still have time, but the time is at hand. And that means there is a profound urgency at this time to get as many people as we can to Jesus before it's too late. This is why we do the updates. It's why we end with the gospel. It's why we do the ABCs of salvation. The gospel, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first four verses, very simple. Jesus came, He died, He was crucified, buried, rose again on the third day, and He's coming back again one day. That's the gospel. Yeah, the good news. Is that good news? Yes. That, that is, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's yeah. I'm sorry I do that. I don't know. Well, let's just do the ABCs and I'll try to maybe weave it into the ABCs of salvation. The 
badder the bad news is, the gooder the good news will be. I know that's not proper English. But in order to really appreciate just how good the good news is, the gospel of salvation in the person of Jesus Christ, you have to understand what's at stake here. What's at stake here is not, is not life and death, it's eternal life and eternal death. And that's where the A comes in, because the A is for admit or acknowledge. When you come to the place where you realize, wait, I'm a sinner. I need the Savior. I have to come to that place first. And then it's the breaking that takes place of the soil of my heart, that hard soil of my heart that breaks me. And then I realize I'm not good. There's no one righteous, not even one. And I realize, Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then here's the bad news first. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23, but the good news, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the A. Here's the B, and the B is central. It's simply for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, it, it just came to me, and I've used this before. Remember those criminals on the cross that were being crucified at the same exact time that Jesus was crucified? Remember how one rejected Him, the other accepted Him? When he realized that that was the Savior, he also realized that he was a sinner, contrary to the other criminal who was mocking. And then here's this other criminal going, wait a minute, I'm up here because I deserve to be. I've broken the law. I've transgressed. I've sinned. This man has not. And he realized that's the Savior. And he says to him, believing in him, acknowledging, realizing that it is him, he believes in his heart. And then he calls upon him, Re remember me when you enter your kingdom. And what was Jesus' response? Dude, I am so sorry. Um, you need to get off the cross, get baptized, go through some courses and, you know, join a church. And I'm sorry for the silliness, not really, but uh, no, he said, <laughs> truly, truly, I say unto you today, you'll be with me in paradise. He was saved. Well, that's, that's too easy. He got off cheap. Oh, don't do that. Nothing cheap about that. It cost the Savior everything to purchase the gift. He paid for it in full. You don't call that cheap. And shame on anyone who references salvation as cheap grace. Lord have mercy on you, actually. Nothing cheap about it. Well, let's just talk lastly, real quick, about the sea. 
It's for call upon the name of the Lord, in Romans 10, 9 and 10. This was the expression. This is what comes when you acknowledge the Savior, that you're a sinner. You put your trust in Him for the forgiveness of sins. You believe in Him in your heart. Then you call upon Him and are saved. And that's Romans 10, 13. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Very simple. Very simple. Well, today's But God testimony comes from Joycelyn Chick in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who writes, Dear Pastor J.D., I am so happy to share my But God testimony with you. First, I'd like to start off with a little background information. Growing up, my immediate family wasn't really religious at all. Most of my mother's side of the family are Jehovah's Witnesses, while many on my father's side at some point were Catholic, but not practicing as far as I know. So the seed was planted in rocky soil. It just wasn't ready to grow yet, and it wouldn't be for a long time. Much to my disdain throughout the years, my husband would ask me, are you ready to accept Jesus? And I would always answer with an emphatic no. But God never gave up on me. It wasn't until August of 2021, while watching one of your prophecy updates with my husband, that the Lord opened my eyes. It was truly amazing and surreal, and everything just clicked. It took over 15 years of Jesus tending to my soil so that my faith could finally grow. I can't say my first year as a believer was easy. That's probably why it took me so long to write you my testimony. I'd start to get the words in my head, but then bam, a trial, and <laughs> the words would all be lost. Our marriage has been through a lot of difficulties, and man, did the enemy try to tear our family apart. But I know that it was God that brought us together, and it is only through Him that we are still together. God has delivered me from my depression and anxiety, and there is finally a peace inside of me that I have so been longing for. Thank you, JD, for being a voice of truth in a world full of lies. I look forward to your Thursday night Bible studies, prophecy updates, and sermons every week. You're the first pastor, and I, I I'm going to take this as a compliment. You're the first pastor that I could listen to without being distracted. I'm a bit harebrained. Again, I'm going to take that as a compliment. And I know that can only be the Holy Spirit working in both you and me for that to be possible. And it is. May God bless and protect you. And of course, Maranatha, Joycelyn Chick. Go ahead, Kavono, come on up. If you would please stand, we'll close in song and prayer. I once again very much appreciate your patience. I, I know I never go over very long, but uh, did today. Father in heaven, we covered a, a lot of ground today. Um, and maybe it's a, a lot to process, but that's where the Holy Spirit comes in and enables us to process this and connect all of this to 
what you say in your word will happen at the time of the end. And then when we do, if we're believers, man, it just lights a fire under us. If we're not, then I don't know how this doesn't just bring someone to their knees before you. I mean, just in the realm of the logic and to just reason through all of this, it just is logical. But it's more than logical, it's spiritual, and it's the Holy Spirit who brings us and leads us into all truth. We can't talk people into coming to you, Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that brings them to you, Jesus. So we appeal to you for anyone that does not know you. I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Today is the day of salvation. And for those of us that are saved, <laughs> oh, just like the testimony we just read, how the enemy is attacking. and Because he knows he doesn't have much more time to do it. So he's attacking Christian marriages and finances and families. And, but you, O oh Lord, greater is he that is in us, the Holy Spirit, than the devil that is in the world. So Lord, thank you for the victory that is ours in you, Jesus, and because of you, Jesus. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.